Please pray with me. God, we do celebrate you today as being not just the God who loves us and and connects with us, but the God who wants us to have a role in the bigger picture of connecting people with you, whether it's through ministry like MOPS, through our own individual relationships, through participation in ministries here. We thank you for the many opportunities that you give to us to be representatives of yours to this culture that really, really needs to know about you. We watch the news and we see stories of natural disaster, human disaster, violence, problems that plague our nation, our area, and then all the news stories that aren't covered that are, that are really globally uh, tragic. And then the news doesn't get into my house and my neighbor's houses and the stories there of the need that we have for Jesus Christ is just so clear. So please forgive us for any opportunities we've missed and for ways that we've been about ourselves not about this community and the greater community that you've called us to reach. I pray as we have talked about our relationship with you and with one another and next week with the world, the people in the world who are far from God, that you would do something here at our church that would not not be programmatic, not be something that's a, a big flash in the pan, but would be almost silent in in its infection of this community with the redemptive love of Jesus Christ. And I pray today as we talk about one of our strategies for doing that, that you would help us to, to not just see what we can do, but to see why we do it. And it's all for you, for your glory. Amen. There's a church leader, church growth specialist the last couple of decades named Lyle Schaller. Did a lot of writing. One of the things that he said that struck me many years ago is whenever a church gets about 75 people or above, it's kind of like pushing water uphill. You can do it, but in order to keep water flowing up, you need more pressure underneath it, more pressure and work behind it to keep water flowing in a direction that it's not naturally designed to flow. And the more water that's flowing uphill, the more energy needs to go into keeping it flowing uphill. And if you ever stop, it all flows back in its natural direction. I think that's a great analogy. When churches grow, there's a need for structure and budgets and buildings and staff and meetings and organization and a church our size. Think of what has to happen for this morning to take place. Someone had to design the building years ago, build it, organize it. We had a cleaning, we had the parking lot, people helping us get in. We've got teachers, the worship. There's a lot of work that goes in to keep a group of 1,000, 1,500 people together. I think that's important because when we spread that out to the bigger ministry of what we do at First Free, it's just a lot of work. So today we're going to talk about something that's a little bit different. How do we deal with that as a large church? From the very beginning, First Free, and this goes all the way back to the, the beginning uh, ministry philosophy of our church, We've believed that the key to effective ministry is found in small and mid-sized groups. Small, mid-sized gatherings where people experience church in that natural environment. In that environment where you don't have to have all the energy going into keeping water flowing uphill. Because in a group of 12, in a group of 30, in a group of 50, you, you can be the church without that need to keep all of that stuff going. And by the way, all the energy that's needed to keep the water flowing uphill, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just we need to acknowledge that and understand how we are going to be a large church of small churches, how we're going to be a large church 
and accomplish the mission that God's given to us, which is by making sure that we are a large church of smaller communities where people know each other, they're growing in our faith, we're serving one another, we're sharing the gospel with people that are far from God. That's what we're all about here at First Free. Now, the past few weeks, we've been talking about our relationships. My name is, is what we're talking about. Relationships with God, our relationship with one another. And today, we're going to really kind of pause, and this is going to be different. Think about it this way. Every Sunday when we have a sermon, as we're preparing our messages, we're really careful to say we're going to exposit and unpack the text of Scripture, and then we're going to apply it. There's an application. We want you to know how you can do this when you walk out of here. Every once in a while, it's nice to take a whole sermon and make it an application. So think of this message today as being an application of the last three sermons that Adam has delivered for you. And that will help. If you don't have that context, it'll be kind of confusing because we're going to talk a lot of nuts and bolts of what's it like to be known around here? What's it like to be involved in community here at First Free? And I'm going to give you an overview of our group's ministry, provide some instructions on how you can be involved, why we want you to be involved, why we think this is so vital to fulfilling God's mission. I think just a few reasons why I think groups are important in the church in general. I think groups are a really good place for disciples to be built. It's a good place to produce disciples. People grow best in an interactive environment. Adult education theory would say this is about the worst thing you can do is put a bunch of people in rows and have someone talk to them. Uh, and no, if you want to learn something, you need to wrestle with it. You need to talk about it. You need to debate it. You need to dialogue with it. You need to have some interaction. And that doesn't happen when we get together in a, in a room this size. So we want everyone at First Free to have some experience where you're rubbing shoulders with other believers and you're encountering not just what this text is to understand it with your head, but how to live out the Christian life with other people. I think groups also produce leaders. When we're experiencing the life-transforming work of God as we interact with one another, as we share our life story with one another, that's when leaders arise. That's when your spiritual gifts, your passions, the things that you do well shine. And then you can say, wow, maybe that can be broader than just this group. Maybe there's a bigger, bigger way that God wants to use you. Or maybe this is going to be how God is going to use you in your leadership. Groups also produce servants. When we're, when we're together in a group, whether it's a Sunday morning community group or a home small group or men's or women's group, we, we have an opportunity to ask questions like, how's God using us to impact other people? How's God using us individually and as a group to make a difference for his kingdom? We're not spectators, we're in the game. And groups can reach people far from God. The growth in the Christian community is not primarily going to happen because we do great big programs. My neighbors, are, my, my neighbors who are far from God are not yearning to get a postcard in the mail to tell them about a new church or a program that they can go to. They're not. They're yearning for connection. And when we do relational ministry like groups, again, whether it's Sunday morning or in our homes during the week or a combination of those, then we're, we're setting up an environment where we can connect with people and invite them to meet us in a place where all of us need meeting, and that's in our relationships. And it also helps us from uh, reaching people far from God because we sort of have a little bit of a built-in accountability for what we're doing. I love preaching. I love this public ministry of preaching. But let's be really honest. 
If God really convicts you and you have some real action step in your heart when you leave here at noon on a Sunday morning, oftentimes lunch and a good nap will help that go away. You know, it's like, all right, whew, I'm really glad I got through that one. Now let's go back next week. Um, but if, if it's in my group, and I'm talking about this neighbor of mine who just talked to me and noticed we go to church every week and asked me about my faith and I started this conversation about them. And guess what? That doesn't go away with lunch and a nap because the next time we get together, they're gonna say, hey, John, how's that, how's that relationship going? How are you doing in reaching people for God? So in a group context, it's very natural to want to influence other people with the gospel. And the, the, the Holy Spirit's conviction in our hearts is lived out in relationship, not just something that we have in our minds. So groups also provide care. Groups are able to give care to those in need, whether it's a new baby in a family, someone moving into a new home, illness or, or some kind of tragedy in someone's family, life transitions that go on in groups. This is what we're all about. And then groups are fun. It's just an opportunity to share with other people who know the happiness of being in God. And, and I don't mind saying that. I, I listened to a message last week on the radio, and some of you have maybe heard this, this real dichotomy between, you know, we're people who have joy, but we don't have happiness because happiness is about circumstances. And, and we have joy, so if you're a Christian, it's joy because happiness is dependent on circumstances, and joy is not. And I just thought, well, my circumstance is the God of the universe sent his son to die for me, so I can be happy all the time because that's a pretty good circumstance to be happy with. And I can get to other people who also are redeemed by Jesus Christ and we can know the happiness and the fun of doing this life that God actually wants us to impact other people. Next week, next weekend, my wife and I are going away for a weekend to a cabin. We're gonna spend the whole weekend with two other couples, including a float trip and some good campfires, I'm sure. These are two couples that we were in small group with at another church 20 years ago. And we built such deep relationships and we cried together and we laughed together and we raised our kids together and we still get together every once in a while and as soon as we meet, our conversations are gonna go deep, we're gonna laugh, we're gonna have fun, we're gonna connect because we know what it is to be in that group and to understand that. The group leader that I have right now for our group, our home small group here at First Free, just last week sent an email out to all of our group with the whole list of the dates we're meeting this fall and, and suggested social outings for us just to go out and have fun together. Because that's what we need to do as a church. We need to show this world how we celebrate the wonder of God loving us and being in his community because of what Christ has done for us. So those are just some of the reasons why groups are a big deal. Now here at First Free, we have somewhere around 90 groups. When some people hear groups, they think a home small group, a home small group Bible study, and that's one of many. But we look at groups as being much broader than that. We look at the, the adult communities that are here on Sunday morning are groups, our men's groups and women's groups are groups, our care ministries are groups, we have interest groups. I learned this approach many years ago, probably 25 years ago, I was a national leader with Nav Press for their small group training ministry. It's kind of the publishing arm of navigators. And I helped with a lot of other trainers to develop small group curriculum to help churches develop small groups in their churches. And then I was part of this team that traveled around the country and helped churches through seminars to build small group ministries. And I was doing this, I don't remember where this was, but I remember I was in the middle of the seminar and during one of the breaks, this elderly woman walked up to me. 
and she began to share with me that her pastor sent her here. There's one other person. They think they need to start small group ministry in their church, but not really sure how to do it. And I began to ask her questions. I said, well, tell me what you have going right now in your church. And she said, well, we have a two or three adult Sunday school classes. I said, okay, tell me about your adult Sunday school classes. Do you study God's word? Do you try to apply scripture to your life and grow in Christ? Oh, yes, yes. I said, okay, do you do, you do fun stuff together? Do you build relationships and community? Oh, yeah, we're always planning things like that. I said, all right, do you, do you actually care for each other? If someone in the class has a need, do you try to meet that? Oh, yeah. And I said, do you think about other people outside of yourselves and service and outreach? Oh, we're always praying for that. I said, then just keep doing what you're doing. Don't, don't stop. Don't change. Maybe, maybe add a few home small groups in addition to that, but don't think this is about a program. But what she was doing was what many churches decades ago did, and that is they confused form and function. And when you confuse form and function, then we lose sight of, instead of we want people to be connected together in community, is they need to be in a living room on Thursday evenings. That's where spiritual growth happens. And that's just, we see the fallacy of that right away. I know a lot of small groups and have known a lot of small groups over the years as a pastor who were not doing a very good job of being a biblical community, but they were a small group. So we're at First Free not going to focus on form. We're going to focus on function. We want everyone who calls First Free their home to be in relationships where they connect with God, with one another, and they're growing in their faith. So we're close to get rolling on a new page on our church website that's going to describe all the available groups here at First Street. And it's going to have a group finder feature where you're going to be able to, with help or on your own, connect with what groups we have, find out when they meet, what their, what their specific interests are, whether they have child care, if it's for people later in life or college students, and be able to connect there and find a place. Right now, we don't have that. It should be out very, very soon. Next month or so, we're hoping to unroll that. The 21st of this month, I'm having a meeting with all of our outreach team leaders and, and uh, groups leaders. One of the things we're going to be doing is showing this new feature on our website so that we can really make it easy for people as they come into our church to get connected. Right now, you can go to efree.org slash groups. You can look at the, the monthly or the quarterly that you received when you came in today, and they have some information on the variety of groups. So just to give you a little flavor of what we do offer right now, we have Sunday morning adult communities that meet here at 9 o'clock or 1045. And I will say we have, I think, just one class that meets at 1045. So most of our classes meet at 9 and, and are in here at worship at 1045. As you can imagine, a lot of these groups are, are maybe a little heavier in the teaching element, focusing on that, grow, that sharing God's word in a classroom structure, which is wonderful. But they also do care, community, and service. Some of our adult classes have amazing connections in the way they take care of one another. It's not uncommon for me as one of our, as our pastor, and I used to be our care ministry pastor, and I would hear so-and-so was in the hospital and they got released, and the reason I didn't know about it is because their adult community took care of it. They were there visiting them, they took food to the family. They, I didn't need to know about it because church happened in that group. 
uh, a lot of options. We would love to expand our Sunday morning communities. We would love to have more opportunities for people to come and to be in class a second hour, in group second hour. I'm gonna do something a little unusual today, and that is I'm gonna ask everyone to stand if you're in one of these groups. So if you participate in one of our Sunday morning adult communities right now, would you just stand so we can see kind of who the population is that participates in our Sunday morning adult community groups? Awesome, thank you, you may be seated. One of the reasons I'm doing this is because they have space in their groups for people. And if you are wondering, wow, what it's like, how could I get connected in Sunday morning? Talk to someone who's, who's standing up. We also have small groups that meet in, usually they meet in homes. Some, some meet here in the church building on various evenings of the week. Uh, I'm excited about this new section of our website that's gonna be rolling out all of our home small groups and talking about them. Um, if you are in one of our groups, would you, home small groups, would you stand up right now so we can see who you are? If you're in one of our small groups, awesome. Thank you very much. We have, just in the last week, I've heard of two new home small groups that are starting and one other small group that's gonna be kind of dividing and starting two new groups. So we have, we have space in our groups and we have other groups that are ready to, to accept new people into their group. So it's really, really exciting time. Then we have care groups, and our care groups focus on life's trans transitions, the brokenness, the intense challenges that we face. We're looking to expand these groups. Again, this, this could be something like uh, our Caring for Aging Parents group. We have a group on Sunday afternoons called The Refuge, which really seeks to serve people that struggle with anxiety and depression, celebrate recovery, Friday night, divorce care. In the past, we've had grief share, others. Uh, we're, we're expanding this. I'm talking to other people about special care area groups. I look at these as being maybe like, you could eat two metaphors. It might be like the emergency room in the hospital where you need to go for a little bit because of some real area of brokenness. Or it might be a rest stop on the interstate that you just need to pull off and take some time over here to rest and to focus on specific issue, specific area of transformation in your life. And maybe it's a little bit more than a normal small group will be able to, to take care of because you need to really focus on this issue. But again, all of these places are places to grow and to serve. And then we have uh, men's and women's Bible study groups. This is really timely because they're rolling out this next week. So if you want to get plugged into a men's group, um, I'm sorry, I should say care ministry group. If you're in a care group, stand up. If you're in one of our care ministry groups so we can see you. There wouldn't be quite as many, but we have some. Thank you very much. So these are some of the people involved there. So now to our men's and women's groups. They're rolling out this next week. So there's time to get involved if you want to be involved which if I pause there, you'll understand, you might see some people standing almost every time I say that. Let's just tell it like this. Some people have the bandwidth and are ready and they'll be in two or three different groups at a time. Uh, and that's wonderful. Some people, maybe it's your stage of life, maybe it's what else is, what's going on that you really have the bandwidth to be in one group. That's great too. Um, we're not saying some of these groups are long-term, some are short-term. Uh, we're, we're not going to say this is the form we're buying. This is the function that people are living in community. But our men's and women's groups are amazing. Uh, I just spent Tuesday morning with our women's Bible study group leaders as part of their training. Amazing team of women who are leading this ministry and our men's groups are the same. So if you, in fact, our women's 
leaders have a table out in the lobby right now. You can stop out there after church and talk to them about some of the studies that are going on. With our men's and women's groups, I want to say something because this is usually the place where we have a lot of men who are in groups or women who are in groups that aren't part of our official program. You know, they're not like on the roster. Go to Panera and DePere any given weekday morning and you're going to see groups of men, many first free or women first free, sitting around tables with their Bibles open, having Bible studies and doing groups. We love that. Our goal is not to have everybody you know, on our roster. Now, I hope that we offer some support and encouragement and training that will help those who are out there kind of doing, doing Bible studies. Or if you have a group of women that come to your house, I know some women just invite some over and having a Bible study at your home. We love that. We also, I also know that some of you are in CBS, some of you are in BSF, and uh, which most of the people that I know who are in those are already in a lot of other groups in our church too because they get community and they love that. So <clears throat> we're certainly not saying these are the only groups that you can connect with, but we want to make that possible. If you've, so if you are in a men's or women's groups, would you stand right now? If you participate in our men's groups or women's groups here. Wonderful, thank you. If you're not in a group at all, I'm not done yet, I have one more. There's a place on our website, if you go to efree.org slash groups and you look under discipleship resources, there's something called um, Life Transformation Group. This is the easiest way to be in a group at all, ever. Because Life Transformation, and all the instructions are right there. So if you're one of those people, if I'm a little bit leery because I kind of, I don't even like having my name on my name tag because people might talk to me. This is a good way to do a group that's really simple. A life transformation group is this. It's you and two other people who you feel safe with. You meet once a week and it's all there on the website under life transformation group. You meet once a week and in those meetings you read scripture together. You ask each other two or three questions about how you're doing in the Christian life and how you're walking with, with God and you pray together. Read scripture, ask a few questions about how you're doing in the Christian life, and you pray together. Do that, I mean, that's, that's something we all can do. It's just very, very simple, but amazing things happen when we get together with two or three people and we open our hearts to the Holy Spirit and we look at his word together and we talk about the Christian life and we pray together. Life Transformation Group could be a wonderful entryway into this. And then we have interest groups. And interest groups, uh, I just learned we have another one. I, I, we have a theater group, a library group. Somebody after the first service came up and told me we have a running group. I did not even know we had a running group, but we have a running group. And that's the kind of thing that I'm excited about. We, just Friday, I was with a group called United St. Louis Academy, which some of our leaders are involved in. It's their beginning and building. You see it off of Williams Road, uh, 44 near Eureka. This huge, massive soccer complex. And this, this group has a vision, not just for a huge soccer complex, but for a soccer complex where people are discipled and evangelized and know Jesus Christ through sport. And I turned around and was talking to the woman behind me in the meeting, and I asked her where she was serving, and she's the uh, director of sports ministries at her church. I thought, how cool, how cool, because that's an avenue in our culture that we can use to help people who need a place to connect, to connect with believers. So those are some of the things that we do in interest groups, and we would love to expand this. So this is not gonna be that many people because we don't have very many groups, but if you are in an interest group, would you stand up so we can see you? 
Cool, we do have some. Awesome. So interest groups, something we want to have in place here. So you could talk to anyone who stood up about their group and say, hey, how do you get involved? What do you like? Give me some direction here. And then we also have people at the Welcome Centers after the service today. So all these groups are interconnected. Some might emphasize care. Some might emphasize growth and study. Some might emphasize uh, a special service project. But we do, all of them do them all. So let me talk to you now about these areas of focus that we have and why. If you're a group leader or in a group, I hope this is encouraging to you. If you're not, this will give you a little bit of a preparation for getting into a group. We want all of our groups to be growing. Growth occurs when we encounter the Lord and we're changed as a result. That's, if that's the first time or the 100th time, I encounter the Lord and I'm changed as a result through opening his word together. And that's what our groups are about. Some just do book studies and study the Bible verse by verse. Some use curriculum, maybe a video curriculum or a print curriculum. Some of our groups, especially a lot of our home groups, uh, have questions based on the sermon. And so after today's sermon, they get a list of questions, and they go through those in their group, and they talk about how they're going to apply it. Many of our groups grow in this way. Our care groups grow, our support groups, our interest groups have a variety of ways. One way that groups, that growth happens in groups is prayer. And I want to highlight this and pause. And this might be a little bit of a soapbox for me, so I'll put an asterisk by this. Maybe this is just John's soapbox. But I've been in so many groups, and I think we really drop the ball on prayer this way. When we get together and we have our meetings and we talk and we study and then it comes time for prayer, oftentimes it sounds like this. I'm exaggerating just a little bit. But the leader will say, all right, time to pray. What are your prayer requests? What can we pray for? And someone says something like, my Aunt Alma who lives in Cincinnati has a neighbor whose son lost his job and if he doesn't, if he doesn't find a new job, he might you know, lose his house and he's got a wife and three kids so can we pray for my my aunt Alma's neighbor's son in Cincinnati yeah let's pray for her. let's pray for them but then someone says oh what kind of work does the son do I think he was a salesman in the plastics industry I'm not sure then someone else says oh I have a friend who runs a manufacturing plant in Columbus is that anywhere close to Cincinnati because I could give you the name and then they could how, how far is that and someone else says oh I don't think it's very far it's only about two hours from Cincinnati I remember a few years ago we drove through there when we were driving to Pittsburgh for vacation and we went through Cincinnati and Columbus and someone else says oh did you catch a Steelers game when you were in Pittsburgh And you following me? It's like sometimes our prayer time in our groups can be such a hedge of safety. Let's make sure it's not about me. So we pray for all kinds. And not that it's wrong to pray for Aunt Alma's neighbor's son. But what if, if I share in my group, you know what, my mom's going through some medical issues and really we need to pray for her. What if someone turns to me and says, all right, how can we pray for you about that? We'll pray for your mom, but what about you? What's it doing with you? One of the groups I'm in is a group of pastors. We get together uh, from three, three pastors from other churches. We get together once a month for about three hours and just 
last month we did our one day. We get together for a whole day where we spend a day. And, and I'm, I'm walking down the path with this guy. We went for a little hike and, and he turned to me and he said, John, if you're gonna screw your life up really big tomorrow, what would you do and how can I help you and pray for you? And I'm like, thank you for actually not just saying, you know, what's going on in ministry, but like, where's the temptation in life, guys? Where are you struggling? Where's the, where's the enemy attacking you? Uh, that's what I want our groups to be praying about. I want us to be praying about where, where we're pushing away the forces of darkness to make a difference in, in the king, for the kingdom of God in our community. That's what it's about. So that's my hobby horse. Let's move on. Growth is also about relationships. We're going to grow when we're growing together in relationships. Communication outside our formal group meeting, doing spiritual disciplines together, just knowing who we are in Christ. That's what I talked to the women's leaders about on Tuesday. We had a whole section in the leadership training, which I loved. It wasn't how to, do, how to be a leader in women's Bible study groups. We had a whole section on how to just know and care for your own soul. How to be, how to be loved by God apart from anything you do. How to actually be a woman who rests in knowing that you're approved by God just because he loves you. He's created you. He wants to use you. That's where we're at in growth. So we need to ask, our, if you're in a group, ask yourself a question in your group. Are we growing as followers of Jesus Christ because we get together every week? Good diagnostic question. Community is also something we value in our groups. And community is that shared experience of transformation and accountability we're going to get deep in each other's lives. We're going to know one another well so that we can do these relationships together. Unfortunately, in the Western version of Christianity, we have a very individualistic understanding of church. It's just about you and Jesus. It's about you and your salvation. It's about you and your eternal life. And not, not that that's wrong. There's certainly in Scripture about my personal relationship with God through Christ, but vastly over more than that in scripture is is a God who created this world who wanted and started a community of people in the Old Testament the people of Israel in the New Testament it's the church where the Holy Spirit is doing his work through and and God relates to us in community as community that's the identity we have and so if we're not being together with other people we're not fully expressing to the world the true truth of the gospel because the true truth of the gospel is experienced as we do community together and as we grow in him and other people can experience that. In postmodern times and in underdeveloped, pre-modern times, before the modern times and in, in even today in underdeveloped countries, that's still the case. You, you belong to a community and you find your identity in that community. So we love one another, we forgive one another, we teach one another, we correct one another, we carry each other's troubles, we're compassionate to one another. We, we know each other and we give each other permission to walk in our lives. I'll never forget the call I received. This is when I pastored a church many, many years ago. I was the associate pastor in charge of all the small groups of this church. And one of my small group leaders called me late one night. It was probably like 9.30 in the evening, which was late for, to get a call from a small group leader. I'm gonna change the names of this story. I'm gonna say Jim was the leader of this small group and Bob and Mindy were the members of the group. Uh, but Jim's the one who called me. It was about three weeks earlier, Bob had told his wife he wanted a divorce. And this was young, young 
couples, many with young kids. And so Bob wanted to get a divorce from Mindy, found out he was having an affair with someone at work. Bob had stopped attending all church services, wouldn't come to the group anymore, wouldn't answer anyone's calls. And so Jim called me. Again, I get this call at 9.30 at night, and he's like, John, I need your help. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, what's going on? Well, we just finished our prayer time in our groups, and all the men are really, really convinced that the Holy Spirit's saying, we need to get in our car right now and drive over there. And they're putting their coats on. Can we do this? And I'm like, wow. Yeah, you can do this. And so without any clergy endorsement or professional training on how to go confront a friend who's in an affair, these, these four or five guys, I don't remember exactly the number, get in their car, drive over to Bob's apartment where he's staying. The women stayed there in the house and they were praying and they banged on his door and the report I got was when Bob opened it, his eyes were this big. Because there was a group of people who loved him enough and they, and they didn't even ask to come in. They just went in and sat down and they told him to sit down and they talked to him about how much they loved him. They cared for him. They were in this together. They're part of the community. They thought he was making a huge mistake and they were there to help. That's community. That's community. I'm not gonna pull up. I'm gonna say the hard things if I need to say the hard things. Now, some of our expressions of community might not be that drastic. It might be someone in our church is depressed and discouraged and they're just closing in. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna pursue them. We're gonna try to help them. It might be someone in our, in our church is going through some issues financially. We're gonna come alongside them. We're gonna provide some help and some care. We're gonna bring some meals. Maybe someone's walking through grief. We're gonna care for them. So how are we doing at building these deep friendships in our groups? How are we doing at, at really wanting to be there for one another beyond just the casual acquaintances? And then care is another area that all of our groups need to have. Care, and these, these bleed over into each other, so obviously community and care are two that are very closely related. Community is building those deep friendships. Care is one of the ways that we do that. It's when we're gonna move into each other's lives when the going gets hard. We're gonna moved together and uh, shortly after Sarah and I came here to First Free seven years ago we started, we joined a small group and there was a new family that had just come into our church and they joined our small group right away and it was probably within the first couple of months if I remember right that he was diagnosed with prostate cancer and so this little group, we're just getting to know each other, just beginning to care for each other but we like took that on and said this is our ministry and we were the ones, we did the meals, we were at the hospital, we were praying when, the, when there was fear, we were praying when there was hope, we were celebrating, and they've since moved to another community, but we stay in touch. As a pastor, again, I love it when I see and hear that care is being done out there through our groups because we're reaching into one another's lives where it hurts. In small churches, it's often expected that a pastor or a professional clergy person do ministry. And... and I get that in small churches. I've pastored a lot of small churches, been in small churches. But even there, I don't know that that's really that biblical. I think there's a, there's a sense in which we need to be empowering one another to do that hard ministry. Now, with that said, we have church-wide ministries to support what goes on in our groups and care. So there might be an issue that's a little bit bigger than what a group can handle. We have care team counselors that meet on, that are available to talk to people on Wednesday evenings. We have 
you know, counseling resources and referrals that we give to when someone's needs are greater than what a, a group can handle. Um, or we have a ministry like Celebrate Recovery that meets on Friday evenings for anybody, not just alcohol or drug addiction, but if you have any kind of hang-up or brokenness or problem in your life that's slowing you down, that's what Celebrate Recovery, some of our other care ministries, can be like. The next area is service. And this is the final area that we, that we talk about. When we know that we're cared for, we're able to reach out beyond ourselves. We're able to reach out beyond ourselves and help other people. This is what God wants to do through our groups. Service can be evangelism. It could be caring for needs of other people, building relationships. Some groups adopt a project or community needs in their groups, build a wheelchair ramp for someone, go to a soup kitchen, serve in ministries around here, like what we heard with... Uh, with the MOPS ministry, sometimes I've heard of groups when they hear something like that say, hey, we want to jump in. We want to serve. We want to be part of the solution to that problem. In addition to rolling out what new groups look like on our website, we're going to have a special page for service opportunities as well for our outreach, minute, our outreach teams. So as we talk about how we're going to be connected to make an impact on this community and this world for Jesus Christ, we want to make sure that as your leaders, we're giving you all the opportunity we have connection and, and, uh, and in the, uh, the resources that you have. So all that to say as I wind down, the Bible doesn't require, nor does the Bible even give special blessing to any certain form. The Bible tells us about a function. The Bible tells us that God has a people, the church, that he wants to use and is going to use to make a difference in this world, to show people who are far from God what it looks like to be a part of a redeemed community. That's the function. We want everyone here at First Free to be involved in a small group or an adult community, men's group, a women's group, a care ministry group, an interest group. We want everyone to be connected, not so that we have big programs. I don't want it for the big program. I don't even want it so we can say, wow, we've got 80% of our people in groups. I want it so people can say, wow, what an incredible God First Free serves. What an incredible God this group of people that meet in this home serve. What an incredible God this group of people that gather at nine o'clock on Sunday mornings and have a Bible study serves. So that's my challenge for you. I think all of what I've said, or most of what I've said, I hope is based on scripture and drawn out of principles from God's word. I do want to read a few verses from Ephesians chapter 2 as I wrap up. Because I think this is the heartbeat of what we talk about, why we do groups. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought us peace. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations and he made peace between Jew and Gentile by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. I love that when we talk about groups because it's what this series has been about. There's a relationship with God that was broken because of sin and God in his wonderful redemptive love remedied that through Christ. And then he brings people together as, as redeemed people so that we can connect with other people who need this redemptive work. 
If you're not in a group right now, I, I pray that you would con- consider joining. Talk to someone who's in a group. Meet with someone at the Welcome Center. Come up and talk to me. You're going to be hearing more about our groups in the next few weeks as we kind of roll out a new format in our Groups Finder page on our website. But again, it's not, it's not about being busy. I don't want you to do one more thing. I want you to be in community. And as we do that, I'm confident that God is going to use our church to reach this community and the world like we've never reached it before. One thing we know to be true, Jesus said it, the harvest is ready. The harvest is plentiful. God's already taken care of that. We don't have to worry about the harvest. We just need to position ourselves in the community, working through smaller groups where people can know and be connected so that we can see that harvest come in. Will you pray with me to that end? God, we've been talking about our name, my name is, and we know that's important because we know we're known by you, we're known by other people, and we're supposed to know other people. But there's a whole lot of people out in our community who don't have name tags today that say, hello, my name is here at First Free, and they need to be known, known by you, known by us. So I pray that this very practical, logistical Discussion of what it means to be plugged into groups here at First Free would be more than just a way to keep someone busy, but it would be a way of connecting people with you. We want you to get all the glory and honor. Amen.